Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. All right. Welcome to the House of Faith on our family service. We've got the kids in the biggest in the big room today. It's good to have them. We're um you know, I was out of town for a while this week, a few states away, and I got to spend time with another pastor. And we were just talking about kids and like what we want for them and what we don't want, you know. And just the the essence of them raised in the in the authentic identity, the biblical identity of who God is, the goodness of God, not double-minded, you know, not not a picture of him that's been construed and twisted through the knowledge of good and evil, this bipolar deity, but um, of being good and having plans of hope for their future and our future and someone that's trust we could trust that is safe, you know. And um, when I was a kid, you know, I didn't necessarily think that. And it's, it's so silly, guys, especially you young guys. But when I was a little kid, I really, really did not like going to church, like at all. Like so much it gave me anxiety the days before, like, oh, I, I was like dreading it more than I should have been, you know. Wasn't a great fan of school either, but uh, church was another, a whole nother animal. And I actually, when I was a little kid, I, I actually did not want to go to heaven when I died. I, I really didn't because the preachers would get up and the church service would be so long I'd be sitting there like you guys and I'd be so bored and I'd be like, let me out of this place. I'm hungry and I'm tired. And, and they would say, you know, the, the music would go on for a long time. They say, isn't this, isn't heaven going to be so wonderful? It's going to be like this forever. And in my mind, I'm, I'm like, no, I can't do this forever, you know. And so I had this, uh, you know, I, I had literally, I had an anxiety disorder and I was just stressed about it, you know. So I thought, when I'm an old, old man and I'm about to pass away, I'm going to denounce knowing Jesus so that I won't have to go to heaven. You know, some people are afraid of the other place. I was afraid of heaven, you know. And uh, I literally thought this in my mind, you know. I'm going to denounce God so that when I wake up in the next life, I'll be in the other place where at least there will be fun and I won't have to be in church all the time. And I think I'll be tough enough by then, hopefully, to navigate that terrain, you know? And that's what my mind actually thought. And, um, but it was rooted because I didn't know how good God is and how wonderful and how kind He is. And that heaven is not going to be like a religious service, you know? But that the kingdom of heaven, as Jesus said, is full of righteousness, but it is full of peace and it is full of joy. And I think we all know what joy means. It means to have a whole lot of fun. And there's an aspect of being a Christian, a follower of God in this life, but also in heaven that is like our lives are called to be fun. And Jesus said, I didn't come to, you know, I came to give you life and life abundantly. In other words, I want your life to be wonderful and for you to be happy and full of joy and for you to do the things that make you happy and for you to know me. And um, I didn't really know that as a kid. I was more afraid of God and of heaven, thinking it was going to be like church. 
hopefully they'd have at least some good food after the long services up there, you know, but then you just have to go right back. And so, oh no, you know, but it was a long time. I ended up becoming a Christian as a young man, you know, late teens, early 20s and started to follow the Lord. But I had this experience with God. The first year Nicole and I were married, where I had a dream where I got to speak with a woman who was from heaven. And this dream was so very real. And, and we know, we don't have to teach, over-teach that, you know, the part of the aspects of the new covenant or Christianity is that God speaks to us, you know. And one of the ways, you know, I'll pour up my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. All these different ways God speaks. I had actually been into those things since I was a real little boy. And, um, but I had this dream, my, our first year of marriage, where this woman was in, was in my house, in our house, in my office, and she was actually from heaven. And it was such a real dream that I didn't even know I was dreaming. It was so very realistic. And I was basically being like a reporter. I was able to ask her questions about heaven, but she was telling me stuff about heaven, and I didn't even know why. I just knew that she was from there. And in the dream, it wasn't what this aloof place in the Bible or, you know, it was actually very, very real. And I knew that heaven was real, almost like heaven was like, going to Puerto Rico, you know, or Hawaii, or, you know, Colorado is like just another place that was very real. And she was telling me these things about heaven, and there was three specific things, but when she was talking to me about it, she talked to me about the people that are famous on earth are not necessarily the people that are famous in heaven. And she said that even concerning religious things, a lot of times the people that are, that are really have a lot of pull there, notoriety, were the ones that were faithful to the Lord and in their heart on the earth, not necessarily the big minister. She was talking about ministerial uh, fame. And I remember that was incredible. She said also some of the things that serve you in heaven, some of the beings that serve you in heaven are so incredible that it's just tremendous. Like it blows your mind. And that was one of those things that I thought like, wow, like what does that mean? The angels or the, you know, I, I couldn't understand what she was saying. But before I woke up from the dream, the very end of the interview with the lady, she asked me, she's, um, she's like, do you have any questions for me, right? And um, the question that came to my mind, because I knew that she had used to live on earth, she had a life on the earth, and I didn't know her, who she was or her name or anything, but I, I, I just asked her, compared to what you thought when you lived on the earth, how did heaven measure up to it? You know, on a, on a scale of one to 10, what did it end up being compared to your expectation? And honestly, in my mind and in my natural intellect, I thought she was going to say six or seven. Like it's a six or it's a seven. It's like, it's awesome. But you know, it's not, it ain't no, no 10 piece. You know what I mean? It ain't, it ain't all the way, you know, like it's pretty good, you know? And so I asked that question on a scale of one to 10 compared to what you thought it would be. How, how good is it to be in heaven? How, how cool of a place is it? And she, she, she paused for maybe a half of a second, and she says, 50. And when she said 50, I broke down and I started crying. <laughs> I mean, it, it impacted me, her, her voice, her, the number had so much weight to it. And, but it was shattering something that I didn't realize that I kept ever since I was a little boy. That even though I came to know the Lord and I loved God and I knew He loved me, there was still an aspect of me that really had a religious grid concerning what heaven would probably be like. It can't be that good. 
but it was rooted in the way I felt about God. He can't be that good. I mean, he's good, but it ain't going to be like awesome. It ain't going to be like going to, to the beach and surfing and, you know, climbing mountains or hang gliding or whatever. But, it's, you know, it can't be that good. But when she said 50, it broke me. And I just started weeping. But it wasn't a sad cry. It was like I was so happy and relieved to hear it. And then I woke up. And I looked over and my wife's you know, laying next to me. It's not this lady in the office you know, that I'm interviewing. And it was just like, oh my gosh. But that was one of those things where God was doing something in my heart that I had misconceptions about heaven, eternity, about Him. Even though that I was a Christian, I had actually been to school and everything. You know? But He was wanting me to know I'm far more good than you realize. And there's, there was instilling so much more hope in the goodness of God. And you see... We study a lot in the Bible, it's stories about how good and kind God actually is. And just like we've taught a lot of you kids in our kids' church and stuff, is like in the Garden of Eden, what we call the fall, when, man and, when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, that fruit was poisonous and it caused people to see God as not being as good as He truly was. It caused Him to see Him through this view of, what, of good and evil, that he, almost like He was both. Sometimes he was one, sometimes he was the other. And so people, when, when God finally came to the earth as a human being named Jesus, the Son of God who actually is God himself, walked around in the earth, he was so good all the time and so kind all the time, reversing all the things that the devil and darkness had done in the earth, that the people, some of the people who had been poisoned by that fruit, they could not believe that he could be God or, or that he even could be of God because they were so used to seeing God as good and evil. So the fact that Jesus walked around doing all these good things, it gave them such a hard time. Like, you can't be God. God's not like this, <laughs> which is crazy because he was God and he was showing us that God's good and he's always good and he's always kind and he's always loving and he's always full of hope for your future. And he always has your best interests at heart. And he doesn't want to just control you or be mean to you or sit you in a church all day long and you know, make you listen to bad music, which that's, that music was really great that we just listened to. That, that beautiful song, that's the best song in, in, in Christian music. It is. It just is. Don't argue with me about that. That's, you know. <laughs> no, but it's incredible. And they wrote this. I mean, it's like, oh my goodness. Uh, and in music, in general, it's, in, it's beautiful. Um, but anyhow... What were we talking about, people? So God was always good. And, you know, like last week we did this message. And all the, all the young people were, were in your kids' classrooms and stuff. But it was this story that's kind of funny, to be honest, about Jesus healing a man who was blind. And he healed this blind guy, you know. In, in John 8, he says, I am, before Abraham was, I am. He announces that he's God, you know. But they got upset about that. Because you can't be like God because you're, you're not partially mean. <laughs> you know, then he heals a blind man, and they get they get upset about that and say they, this 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 miraculous power it's come from somewhere else, the devil or something, because this can't be of God. And so the blind man's never been able to see his entire life, and he even says, "Hey, it has to be of God because it was a good thing that happened. You guys are being crazy. God does good things. This is miraculous." But they still wouldn't listen to him. Some people would, and some people wouldn't. And so Jesus starts talking to them in John 10. I think the adults, we can pick up into this now, which is hilarious about 
how he's this good shepherd and the sheep know his voice and they will follow him. And he gives this distinction of John 10. Um, he goes on through the whole thing. You know, one of the most famous verses about the devil there. It's like John 10, 10, the devil's a thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus or God is one who gives life. He only gives life. And he's painting in John 10, these first like 18, 19 verses, this long uh, speech. It's not real long, but a, a speech about, hey, like, hey, look, guys, devil equals bad, equals darkness, equals negative things. Everything that's of God equals good, equals life. And I'm on that side of the tracks. You can recognize who God is by the way that I live. And so he goes on and he says, my sheep know me because they know my voice. And it's this beautiful message that he starts to teach in John 10, right after he healed a blind man who could only recognize him by his voice. Because the blind man, when he saw Jesus come back, Jesus says, hey, do you want to know? Do you believe, who, do you believe in the Son of Man? Right? Which is a, it's a phrase from Daniel 7 about this human that is God. This messianic king of Daniel 7 that's, you know, rides the clouds and, and, and he's God, but he's also man. He says, do you want to know who the Son of... Do you, know, do you believe in the Son of Man, this God-man? And the blind man says, I believe you. Whoever you say he is is what I believe because he knew him by his voice because he'd already met him when he put those you know, mud in his eyes. You know, it's a beautiful thing. And so now he's talking to the Pharisees and the religious people saying, you guys are blind because of the poison of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because you can't even see how good God is, right? But my sheep, the ones who follow me, will know my voice. I'm the door. I'm the only way into this life. And he says, I am the good shepherd. And so... You know, we know, many of the adults will know, like the good shepherd is the title, like Jacob, also named Israel in Genesis 48, like he said, you know, he called God his shepherd, the shepherd of Israel. Um, David, the most, probably the most famous king in the Bible, probably the most famous psalm in the Bible, Psalm 23, he says, the Lord Yahweh is my shepherd. And so here's Jesus once again saying like, I'm him. I'm the good shepherd. And the reason you can't recognize me, many of them, is because the word good's on the front end of it. And you're expecting him to be the good and evil shepherd. But I'm the good shepherd. I'm the tree of life, and I give life. And it says, man, says right there at the end of that oration or short speech as he's, as he's doing that in John, in the, in the, and I think it's the, the 19th verse of John 10, it literally says that um, there was a division among the Jews because of these sayings. And to be honest, there's a division in the world today because of these sayings. There's a division in the church world of like, God is, God is good and evil versus God is good, you know. And the reality is the fruit of God is good is what we, what I've seen the most fruit of. It's what the Bible actually ground, it's actually the truth of the scriptures and of the Bible. And it is the utmost important for us that our kids know at this young age. It's like the bedrock, the goodness of who God is manifested in Jesus for us. And for us, even as adults, I've seen it over these past few years. Many of you are probably new or whatever, but I've seen it be the thing that has caused more breakthrough in Christian minds than any other thing. That's caused more freedom in Christian lives than any other thing is coming to the reality that woe, there's not a God behind Jesus' back. The Father and the Son are 
of one essence. The, the, this, the fruit of life, the tree of life is manifest. Jesus was in Christ. God was reconciling everybody to himself. And it's this beautiful truth that causes us to realize that, hey, the Lord is the good shepherd and Christianity is about following him in everything we do. And that's, you know, also when I was a kid, we had to memorize Psalm 23, you know. So we're going to do that today, not really. But um, uh, luckily, because it's only six verses, so it's kind of, but I went to a Christian school for like the first couple years of my schooling. And so we had to memorize it, you know, didn't ever really understood it, understand it. But it's such a beautiful psalm that this King David, who did these incredible exploits, used to kill giants that were attacking him and, and the people of Israel, do, used to do all these things. Um, he was such an incredible leader, but it was because he knew that he was led. Yeah. And so Psalm 23, is, it's the, it is the message of what Christianity truly is, real, true, spirit-filled Christianity, which is the only Christianity. And it literally starts off with, the Lord is my shepherd. And it's David's, this mentality of like, I've, I have tr- come to realize and trust that he is fully and altogether good in all things, in all ways. There's no darkness, no shadow, no variance in him. And he's my shepherd, I shall not want. It's this declaration like, I officially am not in charge. I'm officially being led through life. We always want to, we've got to be assertive and you've got to know what you're going to do. You've got to develop your plan. And there's nothing wrong with plans. But the plan in the Christian walk is developing the reality of like I'm led it's not about my will it's about his but the beautiful thing about the will of God is the kindness of God is his will is the very thing that he sowed into your DNA into your fabric when you were inside your mom's belly he created you even before that and the very things he's called us to are the things that will cause us to become most alive and experience the joy and peace of heaven and release it on the earth it's such a great deal it's so good it's almost too good to be true. That's what gospel means. It's incredible. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And I love this man. He leads me down green pastures and, and beside still waters. He's literally talking as if he's a, a lamb that's following a shepherd. And it says he restores my soul. And there's so much in here for us, even for us grown-ups, you know, um, that there's, there's rest for us in this thing. When I hear that, he leads me in the path of righteousness. It's not like so that I'm squeaky clean and perfect. It literally means he, he, it's the right path of direction for my, for my life. And I think a lot of times, if we don't realize how good God is and how kind and how gentle and how loving He is, even at His job as a shepherd to lead us, people are afraid to miss God. You know what I mean? As if He's not good at His job to lead us. You know what I mean? And it's like, He leads us on the right path for His own name's sake. It's like, we're family. It's more important to Him for us to be in the right path than it is even for us. And sometimes we're afraid to miss it. And reality is, is like, hey, you can take a step back and rest. The Lord's been doing this with me lately. Whenever I feel anxious or if I'm feeling pressure, tell me just to stop. But, but if I stop, I'll be even more late. Like, yeah, no, that's, that's not what it is. It's like pull over off the side of the road if you have to, in a safe spot, obviously, or whatever you're doing in your day, and take a minute and connect to God. Even if it's taking a few breaths, 
slowing your heart rate down and acknowledging God in all our ways, and He will direct our path. You know, He will create this atmosphere of faith where we realize that we're not alone. You know, but He makes me lie down. In other words, He makes me to stop. He makes me to be still sometimes. But it's not in this controlling way. I want to have fun. I want to move forward. It's, it's like, hey, sometimes we need to stop for a second and realign and regain the peace. It's actually for us, not for him to be controlling. To regain the peace in the perspective and then move forward in that spirit, which is his. So, so simple, so profound, you know. Um, um, it leads me in the path of righteousness for his name. It's like, in other words, like, so much rest in that. It's like it's actually his job to get us into the place of our purpose and our destiny. You know what I mean? It's so cool. It's like, oh, I don't want to miss it. I better go on a fast for a few days so I don't miss it. It's like, man, listen, he wants it. All we have to do is not, not turn him off. I mean, by that I mean not shut him out. Not shut off his voice. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, verse 4, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And here again, David is, there's such a trust in the goodness of God and the covering and provision of God. It's like, it doesn't even matter where I'm at, you know. I will not be afraid. Even the valley of the shadow of death. See, this is one of the things I believed when I was a little kid from memorizing this in like kindergarten, first grade. I believed that you had to walk through hell before you got to heaven and you had to fight not to be afraid the whole time and that would be the test to get in. I know that sounds insane, <laughs> but like my little kid brain took that out of memorizing this verse. Go figure, you know. <laughs> you know, and so I was like, man, I hope I can pass that test because it's going to be scary, but I'm just going to be like, uh, God's going to be invisible, but I'm going to have to trust that he's right there when I walk through. <laughs> so silly, but then... Uh, once I got over the fear of that, I was like, you know, as a matter of fact, I might actually stay there because then I won't have to go to church all day. So anyways, you see the, the, the mentalities that I was working with. That's who's talking to you on a weekly basis. So hope that's not frightening. Um, but, um, you know, but what David's saying is like, even though I walk through the valley, I won't fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. Like if there's no situation that I'm not going to practice the being still, the connecting to God and letting it shake me out of this mentality because I realize this world is plastic. It is the matrix and I am, I am under the covering of something far more significant and profound that has me. Yeah, man. Yeah, dude. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Verse 5. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Wow. You think about these verses. Verse 5. I'm so surrounded and engulfed by your protection and your goodness that what I would see as the presence of the enemy, which for David was people really trying to take him out, right? What most people would see that, I will actually sit down, I will take my armor off, I will take my sword off, and I will have a meal in my most vulnerable place because I, I am that covered and protected by you. It's just, it's just an entirely different mentality. And it is faith, but what it's rooted in is knowing that God is good and He has you. Yeah. And this is our Christian. This is where we're called to be and live. Free of the bipolar. Free of the knowledge of good and evil's poison. Seeing God as He truly is manifested in the Son. Manifested in the Lord Jesus. And walking in that level of confidence. 
that no matter what, I'm not going to be shook. You know, we live in a time where people are so insecure around other people. You know what I mean? And this is, a, this is like, even in the presence of my enemies, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to process through this with you, Lord. And I know that I'm safe in you. And I'm going to be fed by every situation and I'm going to grow in every situation. Isn't that something? Yeah. yeah. The last verse, probably, it's almost like these are all one verse together, but it's not. It's verse 6. It says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. They will pursue me. They will chase me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And it's, this is the proclamation. We see where this, this heart is rooted. This, this, the Lord is my shepherd. It's like, I've come to realize who Jesus really is. And surely now I know that goodness and mercy, it's going to be pursuing me. I'm not going to be pursuing good things to happen to me, to get my needs met. I'm just following him, and the goodness actually overtakes me everywhere. I have, it's just not a uh, good new, you know, or uh, I forget what they call it, the name it, claim it, and all these prosperity, th- you know, which there is something to prospering. You know what I'm saying? Life in abundant life, that's Jesus' words. But what it is, is like this mentality, like I know no matter the situation, even if there's darkness involved, God's going to spin it on its head because he's going to cause goodness to be poured into my life. And it's this mentality that this giant killing king had that succeeded all of his days, even when he made very big mistakes. He would turn back in this relationship to God and get back on track with him. And he understood, all of my life, this is what it's going to be about. There's so many people, and maybe many of us were raised in that mentality as well, end times and these bad things and all these doom and gloom and all this stuff happening. But it was so absent one of good eschatology theology, but was so absent of the goodness and covering of God for his people to be covered in light and manifest light into the earth, you know? And the reality is, David had this mentality in the book of Psalms. He was a prophet, so it was written for us. But it's like, goodness and mercy is always going to follow me. And not only that, in eternity, I'm always going to be with him. I'm always going to be with God. And there's better, better as one day with him than a thousand any any anywhere else is what it says there's better one day in the presence of god in heaven than a thousand at your absolute favorite place you could go a thousand disney world days a thousand beach days a thousand skiing days whatever it is one day in the presence is better than a thousand of them that's how wonderful heaven and the eternal domain of god is for us and that's what the bible teaches us isn't that such good news it's a relief. I think a lot of us have had fear of heaven. It wasn't just me when I was a kid. I think it's a, maybe a little more <laughs> common than we think, you know? Oh, man, you know. But there's something to the, to the word, as I close, of hope. And David's, when you read Psalm 23, the good shepherd that Jesus proclaimed that he was and is, I summarize Psalm 23, David's words, is, is like, I will be so conditioned to expect the goodness of God that I will always be hopeful. I will always be so full of hope and expectation. And that will be rooted in the reality of how good God is. Because every verse in this in Psalm 23 is, excuse me, it's rest and it's peace and it's the covering of God. It's the assurance of His goodness. And um, it's the reason why many people miss out on Him to this very day. 
because they're expecting something else from him. So they put their faith or their belief in something else. And so they're not aligned with the goodness that he wants to, wants to give us, you know. In anxiety, pressure, any absence of peace is literally the, the result of not acknowledging the Lord who's actually with you at all times. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You'll never be by yourself. And faith is actually putting our trust in that accurate truth. That his goodness will always be there for us. And this is the God whom we preach, which is why we see the fruit that we see in life. And that's why that we, we enter into it. I've never seen somebody, and I myself, who have had a different view, I've never seen myself dare to hope in the goodness of God and be disappointed. It just has not happened. And it always confounds me. It always even, it even surprises me. Because I could hope, well, it'll be good for them, but like for me, I'm held to a higher standard, so probably blah, blah, blah. It's like, boom. He just, he crushes, he surrounds me with goodness and kindness, even when I'm expecting something different. It's incredible. God's that good and he's that kind. So that's the message. Good family service. You guys were awesome today. No, nobody, nobody did anything crazy, you know? Man. We won't do these very much. It'll be super rare. But we figured, you know, it's a holiday weekend. Let's have a little, uh, a little Probably deal, you know. <laughs> It'll be like this forever. <laughs> well, Lord, we thank you that you are good and that you are kind and you are wonderful and altogether lovely. And you're the desire of all nations. You're the desire of all of our hearts, even if we don't know. And Lord, let that truth trump and push out every lie. Let us actually see you as you are in such a profound way that we image you everywhere and let the world see your goodness. Amen.